This Week on Ace on the House. The economy doesn't affect Seth MacFarlane, does it? No. Maybe ask him. Uh, I can't get through the pile of money to find him. Oh, I can okay. just hear his voice. <laughs> Come after Dick. I got, I got a special dog that could sniff him out, and we found him. But then we all started digging. And it was just throwing, you know, and I and I started telling people anything under, you know, denomination under under 20, you know, 10s and singles, they start burning them. Get them out of the way. we got to get them some air. Check out an all-new episode of Ace on the House this Saturday or visit aceonthehouse.com only from Corolla Digital. This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little sacks of fun dip. It's me, Allison. Before the show officially starts, a few words. Uh, Usually I do a certain segment in the body of the show. I don't believe we did it in this episode. And something just happened, which is totally pushing my buttons, which is why I think I need to just do it now. Hit it, Gary. Hey, hey. Go fuck yourself. I'm not sure this is a true hey, go fuck yourself. It's more like, hey, go fuck yourself. I don't know, because for some reason it's bugging the crap out of me, and I'm probably just being petty, or I don't even know what it is, but I'm just going to tell you guys. I'm just going to discuss it. Okay, so yesterday I got this tweet that said, I see you tweeting thanks to a lot of people. Are you pregnant? That alone. (laughs) Why is that so annoying to me? It's, you know what it is? It's because there's a way to find out why I'm saying thanks. It's just to read the conversations. It should be noted that Gary is laughing right now. Um, And I, I don't, but there's really, I mentioned it to Daniel, who would be the father of said child. um, And he didn't quite understand what was so annoying about it. He thought it was stupid. Yes. What, you know, and I thought, got it. Have I become that person who's just annoyed at stupidity? Quite possibly. Um, But for some reason, it just I think what irks me is the idea that people are interpreting my actions to that degree and in that like crazy of like to jump to that conclusion is nuts to me. And then I started thinking about it more and I started thinking, well, also, perhaps the idea that people are assuming I'm pregnant, like that's a pretty personal and sensitive thing. Um and now there are other people congratulating me as well. Uh, for the record, I'm not pregnant. So anyway, someone. So I was like, do I even respond? I don't want to. Inf- I don't want to like inflame this. Um, and it irritated me. And so, but then other people were <laughs> congratulating me as well. You know, because I said thank you. Um, and so I wrote back and I I said thanks, but huh? H U H. You know, uh, if you want to know what I was saying, thanks to just read what I was responding to or something like that. And then the guy wrote back, I read the tweets but got no conclusive info. My fault for taking an interest, I guess. So now I just wanted to throw my phone across the room, you know, because the pregnancy hormones are making me crazy. Gary, wait, is this annoying? I mean, I realize that there's something, like I'm being short-fused regarding this, but is it annoying or am I just being easily annoyed? No, it's well. I don't know. I, mean, I can see. I can see why you would get annoyed easily, and it's never fun when you try to respond to somebody. It's something you think is confusing, and they get like righteously indignant. Yeah, that's, that's bullshit. Yeah, and yeah, and then it's like, and the thing is, I've gotten into it with this guy on Twitter before, and it's sort of like a, um, it's like, it's like uh, like those finger cuffs. Like the more 
the more you pull, the tighter it gets, which is not really at all what I'm trying to say. Uh, I have a feeling no matter what I write back, some snotty response is going to come back. And it's like, I, like, I have no problem with you taking an interest. It's don't jump to a conclusion and then spread rumors. Anyway, harumph! Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. But really, I'm a delightful, easygoing, easy-to-get-along-with person. Um, I think we have some iTunes comments of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars. All right. Our first iTunes comment of the week comes from R. McMurphy, and it's titled, Like Me Some Rosen. If you don't like Allison Rosen, don't worry about it. Because you're a robot and don't have ears anyways. <laughs> That's right. All right. And our earless ne- robots. Our next one comes from Crazy Lady Cat. That's spelled with a K. Uh, Andrew Show is the title. Almost didn't make it when he started talking about eating poo, but I hung in there and enjoyed every minute of it. There were so many laughs I had to keep listening. Thank you for making my very long workday lots of fun. You are the best and absolutely as much fun as cute puppies. Oh, thank you. And I just want to make it clear in case anyone's listening who doesn't get that. That was Andrew WK talking about wanting to eat poo, not me. It's not on, it's not on my list of uh, things that are included in my diet. All right. And our last one comes from The Continual, and it's titled, Allison is Awesome. I love your show, though sometimes it seems that whilst amidst a perfectly logical line of thought, you digress in such a way that a madman certainly must have creeped in undercover and snuck up on you and spun your chair around. I just like that because I like the image of that. Yes, that happens to me all the time. Perhaps a madman impregnated me while spinning my chair around. It almost made me vomit. Um, Also, I was thinking if I were listening to a podcast and it began with the host reading comments about how great the podcast was, how would I feel? I don't know. Um, And I'm just not going to worry myself with that because basically we need your comments and we need your stars and we need your subscriptions. It's important. It is. And I love you. And thank you. So if you would like your comment to perhaps be one of the iTunes comments of the week, then uh, go to iTunes and leave a comment and click five stars. That would be delightful. Uh, If you want to email the show, it's A-R-I-Y-M-B-F at AdamCarolla.com. And so I just moved, which is probably part of the reason that I'm a little bit um, bit, uh, cranky and sort of um, cunty is too strong, but maybe a little bitch, a little less perfect than I always am. A little bitchy, maybe. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to hang out with me, but uh, don't let that stop you from listening to this episode, please. Anyway, so I just moved, and Daniel and I were walking around our new neighborhood exploring, and he pointed out the post office, and he said, that's our post office. And I said, ah, no, it's not, my friend, who I'm uh, going out with and living with now, um, because because we have stamps.com. So we never have to go to the post office anymore if we want to... Uh, mail a package or a parcel or a letter or in anything, we can print U.S. postage, official U.S. postage, directly from my home computer using the printer, and we know exactly how much postage to put on it using the free digital scale. Uh, And this is a whole new, better way of life because I don't know what your schedule is like, but mine does not include... Thank God, time to uh, to inconvenience myself with a p- potentially super long trip to the post office. 
Um, so if you have a home business, if you do stuff on eBay or even even if you just mail a lot of stuff and find that you don't have the time to be going to the post office, which I don't think you do, you really need to get stamps.com because these days you can get practically anything on demand, just like this podcast you're listening to right now. Um, so why should you have to schlep all the way to the post office and, um, and be around a bunch of super cranky people, especially with the holidays coming up? Uh, holidays, post office... Not a very cheerful time. Holidays in your living room when you are printing out exactly how much postage you need to send something. That is a damn good time if I do say so myself. So right now, use my name, Allison, for a special offer from Stamps.com. It's a no-risk trial. Plus you get $110. It's a $110 bonus offer. It includes a digital scale, the aforementioned digital scale, which is super handy, and up to $55 of free postage. Gary, could you ever use $55 of free postage? I'm damn well going to try. I've got some uh, I've got some packages I've got to start sending out for the holidays and uh I'm at that age where wedding gifts are going out, and instead of having I hate s- that age. Instead of having Macy's charge me some ridiculous fee, I'll bring it home and I'll weigh that thing myself. It's yes. going to be awesome. Yes, you will. You guys use Gary as an example and me as an example, and don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Allison. That's stamps.com. Enter Allison. All right. I, I'm done flapping my gums now about all this stuff, and here comes the episode. The guest is Sarah Schaefer. She's great. I think you'll love it. I loved it. I love you. Bye, you guys. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with her good times never end. Allison Rosen. Hey everyone, hi, hello, it's me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. My guest today is Sarah Schaefer of You Had to Be There, the podcast. And, uh, you know, it's weird as I wanted to say you have to be there. But it's you had to. And I do the same thing with Pete Holmes. You make it weird, you made it weird. It's like (laughs) You just want things to be in the past. (laughs) I guess I do. Oh no, but you had to. Yeah, wait, you have to be there. You're just changing time. I just want to bend time to my will. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm a huge Wrinkle in Time fan. It's not that, but I just wanted to it's mention understandable. that. And it's that fine. Book. Yeah. I don't and care. also, you're, you're one of the hosts of the forthcoming Nikki and Sarah show on MTV. Yes. And you do lots of other stuff, including um, this sentence isn't working, but what I wanted to say was you and I met when we auditioned for something many yeah. years ago. Yeah. At Fuse? Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. I don't uh, even know what that show, it, if that show ever happened. It was a show about music, that much <laughs> I remember, and I think the current host uh, at the time, again, problems with time issues, yeah. the host at the time was out on like his wife's maternity leave right, or something, and I thought, that's very supportive of him. Yeah. And so they were auditioning new hosts, but I forget what show it was. I don't remember and nothing ever. Yeah, nothing ever we happened. We both nailed it. I oh, thought we I did. I think we did. I think we I'm were the best sure. in the audition for sure. I have no <laughs> memory at all of what it, it... I feel like it was a round table. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I waste so much of my life auditioning and it makes me bitter. Um, but you, what, how, how do you uh, feel about auditions? I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. I, I, any 
I've only gotten like one thing out of ten years of trying that off makes of an me, audition. Okay, that makes me but feel I don't better audition because that's all kind of the my time. ratios. Yeah, I, oh, I get random. <laughs> I don't audition all the time, but um, I'm not good at auditioning. And you know, I've just realized I think that in general, for me, um, I have to create my own opportunities because I'm I'm not easily marketable. Other than I do get called in a lot for like Tina Fey esque <gasps> types. I I and do too. Have you been getting those roles? I haven't. No, no. I, I don't, you know, and I, I have You know why? Yeah. Because if you're me, because ultimately they did want set up punchline, set up punchline. Yeah. They didn't want the cerebral thing they thought they wanted. That oh, I, no. They never, they never want you. They right. want they want the what they always end up wanting, which is whatever. Which is I, not you. I, I use the example of for voiceover work because I just got a voiceover agent like I um, I don't know like six months ago or something, and um, he sent me on a bunch of stuff at first, and they were always the same notes like just be yourself. Do your own voice. Mm -hmm. Don't try to do a different voice. Don't sound overly announcery or overly hosty. Not polished. For anyone who can't tell, my fingers just went on a frenzy of air quotes. You know, and sometimes I would be like, well, I've heard heard a Garnier Fructis commercial, so I'm going to do that. And and then he'd call me and be like, just do it like it's you and me talking on the phone right now. And I'm like, okay. shampoo. (laughs) And I said, okay, but you and I both know that when I see that commercial... It's going to be that voice that mm-hmm. we all hear. The like, Garnier Fruitis. <laughs> You're going to love it. <laughs> Baskin Robbins. Like, I can do that. If you want me to do that, I'll yeah. do that. But he won't let me do that. And I don't ever, ever get any work. So <laughs> until my voice becomes what they want mm-hmm. or uh, the other way is you become famous. And then. Right. Then they want a Sarah Schaefer type. Yeah. And then they'll send. I'll go in. They can't that. afford me. Right. So, Allison Rosen. A sound alike. <laughs> yes. Um, the thing about voiceover stuff I've learned is that, and now tell me if this is how it is for you, the time in between when you audition and when you turn on the TV and you hear the commercial you didn't get that you just auditioned for, mm-hmm. very, very short. Very short. Unlike very other upsetting. stuff. Yes, <laughs> it is. You're like, hey. Yeah, I could have said that about dryers. Yeah. Or, see, now I'm forgetting the copy for that one. But, but um, it's yeah. always or like, get out thing. there. Right. Carnival. Like, it's always that voice. <laughs> and then they don't want, um, you know, it's, I think it's because they don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. And then they go through all the voices and then they just pick what is standard. Right. Oh, yeah. There's there's a, the Nook one, which, by the way, that seems like quite a windfall because there's 8,000 Nook commercials. Yeah. Read a book. Take a look. That's not the voice yeah. I auditioned with. I feel yeah. like I auditioned with a better one. Yeah. Read a voice. <laughs> Read a book. Hey, you're going to love. You're, you're, Nook. <laughs> you're going to love this new Dove soap. It's going to make your skin real soft. <laughs> See, I'm going to start I, fucking around yeah. and doing shit like that. Make it your own. Yeah. Have fun with it. Because you're not going to want me anyway, so I'm just going to have fun with it do what I want. I wish I could adopt that attitude. I feel like that no, would be I ultimate don't. freedom. I, I can't yeah. do that. Um, okay. I, so I want to get into all the everything with you and what's going on all with you. All the everything. But all the everything. That's the not, name of my upcoming memoir. All, all the, the everything. everything. <laughs> it's beautiful. All the pretty everything. Um, but first, I have to discuss something with... Uh, everyone in this studio and also everyone listening to this, which is that I have a confession to make. Um, okay, in the past, as I, when I was growing up, 
that's that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, when people would say would mention a song or an artist or a movie or a book or whatever, and they'd be like, "Do you know blah blah blah?" I would just say yes because I'm kind of a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I mean, not if my sister or someone really close to me said that, but just in conversation, like, oh, you, yeah. you know the um, cool hip band. I've done that a lot. Yes, so I would just say yes because it's just easier, and because I don't want. I don't want them to be like, oh, my God, you haven't heard of The Cure or whatever yeah. it would be, you know. Um, and then I went through a phase where I decided, you know what, I'm just going to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, no, I'm not familiar with that whatever. Because if I were talking to someone and they pretended to know, you know, like Sunny Day Real Estate or a band mm-hmm. that I might mention who I like a lot, um, I would rather them tell the truth. Yeah. But then recently uh, – well, like a year ago, I remember Adam on the Adam Carolla show saying that uh, he it, like if if he says, you know, do you know something like and he wasn't castigating me, but just in general, you should just always say yes to keep the flow of conversation going. And I, I think it like, depends Ooh. on the conversation. You have to read the conversation. If the person is in a mode of teaching. Yes. Where they really want to tell you about something. You then can you just give leave them the that, conversation. Well, you can just say, no, I, I actually haven't. And then they, they love telling you about it. There are some of those right. types. Yes. But in some conversation, if it's a group mm-hmm. and everyone's on board with it and they want to talk about what happened on yeah. that episode or whatever, oh, yes. then I think you have to go, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, right. and just go with it. But I think it just depends on the – you have to read the conversation, I think. You're right. That's think, good advice. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I so after that, I was like, okay, because with Adam, when he's on a roll, he doesn't want to stop. Even though he's in yeah. generally in teaching mode, he doesn't – if you say no to him, it's like you're questioning his reality. <laughs> I don't mean that in the shitty way it sounds. No, but no, it's like but... because the presumption is that probably everyone knows this thing that he's talking about. So if you say no, you're making him have to to go back. So yeah, I've just he been can't like, keep on the flow of what his point was. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I've just been like, I'll just you know say yes for the most part. So now, okay. So then fast forward to a recent episode of my show with Andrew WK where he mentioned a, a specific Richard Pryor bit, and he's like, Are you familiar with da da da? Or no, he didn't even ask. He's just like you're. You're familiar with da da da, and I went, um, sort of. And I listened back, mm-hmm. and I was like, that is possibly the most disingenuous thing I've ever said ever. <laughs> it's so clear. I thought you're that just like, I thought I was going with it, but yeah. it's so clear that I am lying. So that's why I had well, to come clean. There's nothing worse than when you say yes, and then they ask you for details, and you're that's, like, oh, yes. I love yeah, mm-hmm. right. you know, it's like. It's very – you don't want to embarrass yourself. Mm-hmm. So you sometimes you, you – it's just – I guess it's the type of person you're talking to and you can read them. But, I mean, right. in general, honesty, I think, saves you from embarrassment. Mm-hmm. But you one, one thing I do do is – I do do mm. – is um, I will say, you know what? I, I haven't seen it, but I know about it. That's good. And just that then gives you're them, still cool. I know the I know the the gist. Yes. So then they can talk about it to me without having to explain it. Mm-hmm. So that's one way you could do it. Oh, you know what? Um, yes, I am. I'm familiar with it. I can't really remember the details right now. So you kind of like tell them not to ask you questions. Right. <laughs> yes. No. Maybe. I don't know. Stop interrogating me. That's what I'm going to do from now on. I'm See, the, yeah. this all started because my friend Dustin met Adam at, I had just been hired and at like some New Year's party. Uh, and no, it was here at this studio. And then Adam's like, are you a car guy? 
to Dustin, and Dustin said no because he didn't want to be asked any car questions. Yeah, because all he knows is that, and then look like a liar. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but then Adam brought that up as like he should have said yes on the on the show, and well, that's when I decided I'm just always going to say yes. What Gary? Gary's raising his hand. No, that's that's an extreme example though. Like you can't use Adam as your barometer. But I spend I most you- of my time around him. I'm afraid of him. <laughs> okay. Okay. I misspoke. You can use Adam as your barometer. Right. But it's hard to have this conversation with anyone who his, doesn't use right, Adam as normal. their own barometer. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. You're right. Well, I think this if is a you just mirror alien- everyone for Corolla Digital. <laughs> for like the nine people who work here. Maybe this should be a podcast just for them. Get them in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I would say, yeah, I was about to say, not on uh, kind of similar note, like, I think if you had a longer conversation with Adam about it, like, well, what about in this scenario? Would you want me to pretend I knew right. about it or not? Right. Like, I think in some situations you wouldn't want that. Yeah. You know, it just depends on the conversation. Well, I, I used just, to, you know, go- I used to pretend I had read books because I just, I'm not a big reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I will get the gist of something and then move on. And I did that all. In, I was an English major. I never finished a book. I would just get the gist of it, write the paper, and then bullshit my way through it. Mm-hmm. And my, um, I would just, I'll just listen to people describe books that they're reading, and I'll just remember what they said, so that if I'm ever in a conversation about a book, I'm, I'll just pretend I read it and be like, oh I, yeah, it's such an amazing. Like I just <laughs> totally lie and just like just have enough information. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of all you need in this world, especially with Twitter. Yeah. There's a um, – I read a book actually because I, I wrote for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the game mm. show, um, on the last season. <laughs> like I'm crossing that off my list of check, things I wanted to ask you about. Check and check. I wrote for them. I wrote questions mm-hmm. and um, I read – I would just devour trivia t- style books and um, one of the books I read was um, – because it was just filled with little tidbits – was about like how to sound smart at cocktail parties. I Those books see, are incredible. Yeah, I've never They're read so one. Good. I mean, I know the gist, but I always see them. <laughs> yeah, and I there think, you go. I want to read that. They're really specifically with history and yes, and politics. Yeah. Or, you know, it's really the shit valuable. where you're like, I would like to be a part of this conversation, but I'm afraid if I open my. Well, actually, now for for me, um, I, because I do the news on the Adam Carolla show, I'm actually up on more. Uh, of politics of late but um but history yeah history art stuff like that geography literature geography <laughs> geography is a big one <laughs> um but yeah i think uh i, I also really love facts and trivia mm-hmm. so like that kind of stuff but i don't want to read a thousand page biography of somebody no. like i would just rather get the gist of it and move on have you noticed that it seems like at a certain age people who once read fiction decide or maybe they don't decide. Just for whatever, all of a sudden they are super into nonfiction yeah. and biographies. Why, yeah. why and when does that happen? Although I did enjoy Steve Martin's Born Standing Up. Yeah. But other than that, I haven't made like a big shift. I haven't read that book. It's bold. I don't I think any less of I you. Actually got, it's entertaining though. I, I want to read it. Um, a comedian I briefly dated told me uh, got mad at me because i hadn't read it he 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 acted like i wasn't a real comedian because i hadn't read it and i was like i hope you broke up with him at that point um and do you want to name names no fucking way no not worth it but all right he got mad at me and i was like i really my goal in life for the brief time that i was like mad about it my goal in life was to find steve martin (laughs) get him to autograph that book to him, to uh-huh. the comedian, and send it to him and be like, 
Yeah, not only did I read it, but I got him to sign it for you, so... Yeah, in your face. Why would I do that for that you him? Would totally want. I know. Why would I give you <laughs> yeah. some? Yeah, yeah I'm so stupid. Him. I'm so stupid. No. I mean, I get. I don't know. I think when someone hurts you, you have a little burning ember. Mm, it's always yes. ready to spark up and explode for the rest of. I'm like yes. in a other. I'm in another relationship. I mean, like and I, I date lots of other guys. I just guys. met your other relationship. Yes, and I love him very much. But I will have little. I'll just have a little burning fire for every person that's ever hurt me in my whole life. Not just guys. Yes. That, not just guys, but girls yes. that have hurt me. And it'll it'll go dormant. Is it's your like heart, a volcano. Is your heart kind of like an, a drunk person's ashtray? <laughs> yes, yes, and it's like. It's like little volcanoes that are dormant, and then if I see them or somebody somebody mentions or you know I end up telling the story, it, it it's right. I'm, I explode, and I'm right back there again with the feeling. But then yes. it goes back down, yes. and I'm okay, and I function. But yes, I feel embarrassed by that. I'm like, I should be over this. No, no. You, I, I mean, yes, ideally, but I don't know that anyone ever really is. That's well, a real. I mean, that's yeah. kind of a just me or everyone. I feel like people who say they are. Uh, they're lying and either they're not yeah. in touch with their own pain or they're just pretending to be yeah. super centered. Well, and there's certain types of hurt. Yeah. There are people that hurt you f- in a certain way for the first time. You've never felt that kind of betrayal right. or rejection in, in a, a certain area of your heart was, was new and mm-hmm. they like made it old all of a sudden. Yes. Yeah, they you, robbed you, that bit of innocence. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you always have little pieces of innocence that you've never, Oh, I've never experienced that. And then when you do, you're like, you're the one that took it from me. Yeah. So wait, what are the areas of hurt that are the big ones for you? Um, well, I was in one long relationship, um, starting at age 19. Is that your ma- were My you married? My marriage. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was married. And how um, many years were you married? I was married for three years, but we were together for 10. Wow. So we were essentially like, I, and he was my first boyfriend. So like I had never experienced a breakup at mm-hmm. age 30. And so uh. I went through that and I was the one that ended the marriage, but I was extremely hurt. I mean, I was not, it was not an easy thing for mm-hmm. me to go through. Um, but then after that, you know, different guys would do different things that I had never experienced before, you know, cheating you know the ignoring the straight up rejection like those things that guys do that really hurt or like talk belittling you or like to, you know and right i had had the the hurt of neglect from my other relationship so i i have avoided that mm-hmm. i've avoided guys that were like closed off or like not really affectionate so i was like i'm like hardened i'm scarred and hardened on that part of things but like little other things you know i wasn't prepared for do you feel like you have to experience all of it in order to be able to identify a healthy relationship? Because I sort of, I don't know if I would have said, yes, I, I think you have to. But I know for me, I had to get like banged around quite, yeah. a, quite a bit. Like oh, I, there were a lot of lessons that people would have said to me, mm-hmm. you know, you should not be in this relationship or yeah. you shouldn't be treated this way if, if you really like to, you know, everything. All and that. I just yeah. listened to that and I was like, uh-huh. But I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do what feels right. And what feels right is chasing this shitty relationship right now. And then, you know, eventually I kind of learned way too late. Well, not way too late, but I feel like after everyone else did. But then there's these other people who somehow at a young age were able to land in and appreciate healthy relationships. And I always think, how? Yeah, I don't know that. Because I thought I was in one and then it dawned on me that it wasn't. And because that's because I had nothing to compare it to. And I was seeing other relationships, but you never know from the outside looking in. So right. I, I never was sure. 
I was just so filled with doubt. Like, is this normal for me to feel this way? Like, people are like, did you know when you got married that it wasn't going to work out? And I'm like, I had no fucking idea. <laughs> I mean, there were problems. I mean, I I just went through all my old shit and I found a, a journal I had been writing in like the year leading up to the wedding. And I read one sentence that like expressed doubt in the relationship and I just it killed me I shut it and I threw the whole thing away because I, I was like I don't ever want to read yeah what I'm not the type was? that throws away journals I save that shit because like but it just I don't remember what exactly it said it was just like I know he's trying it was something like that and I was mm-hmm. just like like you know like oh I was like I was it was like I could feel it was like I was blindly fumbling I mean like okay there's something wrong. I feel it, you know, but right. I didn't know what it was because I had no uh, nothing to compare it to and didn't know what my limits were. And mm-hmm. like, I think now looking back, I probably if I got in a relationship like that again, I would break up like way sooner. What was that relationship like? Um, Without getting into too much detail, because it's I'm I, I just told someone I'm never talking about my divorce again. Here we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um. It was, we were really good friends. I mean, I still think about things that he said and did that were the, he was the funniest person I ever knew and he was my first love and, but, um, I just think in the long run we weren't meant to be romantically involved. Mm -hmm. You know, we just drifted apart in all ways, physically, emotionally, our goals changed. And I think part of that is just naturally in your twenties, you through, throughout your twenties, you change or not, you don't change, you become who you always were. And you you solidify into that person. Mm-hmm. And if the other person solidifies into something different than, than you thought they were, you know, and I think that we went through that with each other. I mean, I don't, I, I was not perfect in that relationship either, you know, but it was just, I needed more affection and like feeling like I was like his star, you mm-hmm. know, and he just didn't, I think he felt, he might've felt it, but he couldn't express it. And it was really sad because you know, I kept thinking he could like change and I just don't think it was who he was. And I didn't want to pass judgment and be like, you know, you're bad. Uh Cause I never thought he was bad, but it just wasn't right for me. You know, that's, I wanted to be like, go find someone who wants you as you are. I'm going to go find someone who wants me as I am. Because I think at the end we just weren't compatible. But, right. you know, I, I we have not spoken. You know, we did not end on a good note. And okay. so I don't know how he feels about it. I don't know if he sees the light that I saw because he was really not seeing it at mm-hmm. first. He was, just did, like, was he surprised that you felt there were problems? No, he was not surprised. And if he acted surprised, that was a fucking lie. Like Because I think everyone else in our lives were shocked because mm-hmm. I put we both put on a front that everything was normal. Um, but it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm in a really great relationship, I'm like, it was worth it. Like, yeah. and I know he's seeing someone, so and it's long term. So I'm hoping that that is a more mature relationship, and he's seeing what was broken mm-hmm. in ours. I hope I can hope I hope that. But yeah, you know, above all, I just hope he's happy. Like, if he doesn't get it, and he's the same person, but he's found someone who's more like him, and they work together, that's great. But. Mm-hmm. There's still part of me that wants him to be like, you were right. I know. I'm never going to get that. Never. <laughs> I, um, I had a friendship with uh, uh, an ex in New York. I lived in, well, mm. you know, I lived in New York for years. Um, and this guy that I got out with and then we broke up and then we were friends. 
but it was a really unhealthy friendship in that I I was I don't know what I was doing because I don't I've never really talked about this on here actually like the way I was treating him was not how I would treat someone that I respected <laughs> or someone who I was really close with or even liked so in a way yeah. even though I wasn't consciously doing it I think I was paying him back or something. I don't know what no, I was do doing. No, you do that. I, I a bitch is what I was doing. I did not treat my ex-husband. I, now looking back, I strive to be way more loving and supportive and and than I was to him. But I think it was like a tit for tat. I would I would just get stuck in this like, well, you're not going to say anything for an hour after I cry? Then fine. Yeah. I'm going to shut down. And I did. Right. And then it was a disaster. Right. it's not who and I am. And then it's two people playing games. And once I shut down, there was no going back. I mean, it was just never, we were just, it had, the walls had been built up and it was mm-hmm. like never going to be okay. But that, that was really sad. At what point of the relationship did that happen? <clears throat> um, well, my mom died, which was extremely traumatic. And I think a year, right before she died, I was having doubts mm-hmm. um that i had made the right choice marrying him and, and i told him and then my mom died and it was like and well then my mom became terminally ill like it was the end and so i just became very focused what, on that what kind of cancer was it breast cancer mm-hmm. and um so then um about a year after she died the feelings that i had of being unhappy with him just they were uh, i couldn't think about anything else i was miserable i would cry on the on my commute every day mm-hmm. Because I didn't want, I didn't know how to, what to do. I was so afraid. I mean, I was raised Southern Baptist. I was extremely, extreme good girl. And to do that, to leave him was... Divorce is encouraged in that community, right? (laughs) (laughs) And he was Catholic. So, and like no one in our families had ever been divorced. I was extremely afraid of ending that. It just, everything like from what are we going to do with our stuff? Yeah. Like, how can you... I'd never been through a breakup. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. But it just kept creeping. I couldn't keep the thoughts down as much as I was trying to repress them. And I'm not someone who try, who can repress emotions at all, mm-hmm. which is kind of a problem. But um, <laughs> I was trying to keep it down. And, you know, it just sort of exploded. And I just had to get out. Do you think... Um, and by the way, I heard you on Pete Holmes' podcast talking yeah. about um, about your mom and it... I remember, there was a, I remember you were talking about there's like a moment that wrecked you. And I'm like, yeah. listening to this is wrecking me. It was, it was so... I didn't like, know that conversation was going to go in that direction. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, here we are. But that's it was Pete's so, so inquisitive. He'll just follow that. Right. You know, it was so kernel. beautiful and honest though. But Thank you. I just, uh, yeah, that totally hit yeah, me Yeah. And I heart. think what happened with my mom's death was that I became determined to live my life to the fullest. That life was short. And I saw the love that she had with my dad and... and I decided I I would rather be alone for the rest of my life than be in that. I was just so lonely in Mm -hmm. that relationship. And I didn't want to feel that way anymore. God, I'm getting emotional. (laughs) Well, it is. It's really sad. That's like the, that's the, I think one of the worst feelings ever is feeling alone with someone. It's the worst because you're, you feel trapped. Exactly. And, And at least if you're alone as a single person, you have control over your life and you're the only one that decides what you get to do. And you're in control of your mood. I mean, that was kind of the trap yeah. for me was that after all these years of bad relationships, I decided I was like, I'm done for now or this is not nothing is nothing that I'm trying to do is working. I'm just going to be single. And I was single 
and happy for four years. Like yeah. I truly like that that feeling when you first break up and you're happy about it. That yeah. last that just w- wasn't going away. And I'm like, oh, yeah. now what do I do? Well, I was I was fooling around with as many guys as I could. I was like making up for lost time, having a wild time, and. <laughs> Getting hurt and hurting mm-hmm. others. And I mean, I was going through what you go through in your 20s in the course of a year. And that was a very dramatic time. And yeah. dealing with the pain out from the divorce still. Right. It was a, I was a nightmare. <laughs> and then, and then, and I'm sorry to every guy I dated, even the ones that hurt me, because I didn't react well mm-hmm. when I got hurt, because I just couldn't handle, I was just so vulnerable. And like, I got, I think I got taken advantage of, not intentionally, but they didn't know what they were dealing with. You right. know, like when a guy would hurt me, it's like, no, you de- you're dealing with like a ball of, you know, explosives here. Yeah. Like, and then well, I so met. So what would you do? Like in what way would you react? Well, I just, my ego couldn't handle it on one level because I had never been. But then I was like, I deserve it because I ruined my marriage and oh, I deserve this. So I kind of stuck around with some guys that weren't. I never was monogamous. <laughs> I was like juggling <laughs> like all these different guys thinking I could do that mm-hmm. and that nothing would go wrong and no one's feelings would get hurt. But they did. <laughs> were you, and, and did they think that you were being monogamous? No, I never. No. Okay. No, I never was like sneaking around. But I think, um, you know, some a couple guys I got, you know, emotionally attached to right. and then they hurt me or I hurt them. And it was, it was just a crazy year. I have, in my experience, even though all the, the dating advice is always when you're just in the date before you're exclusive, you should just be dating tons of people because then you don't get too attached to any of them. I could never do that because I just do get, I do get attached kind of no matter what. And then I would end up feeling like, well, now I'm dating two guys and one of them is the one that I actually have feelings for. And the other one is the one that I think I should be dating. And now I feel like a whore, even if I wasn't sleeping with them just emotionally. Well, and you either feel it or you don't. And like then, then, but I also had the complex experience of like different types of guys. Like I had never been with a guy that was like a player, Mm -hmm. like that bad boy. And I, and that's just not me. I mean, a lot of girls, like, they like bad boys, but I was just, like, it was, like, oil and water. But I was so addicted to the attention I was getting. And so I was, it was a very confusing time. (laughs) It was, it did a lot to me, damage. And then Mm -hmm. I have these little, that's why I have all these little volcanoes, like. Right. You know, but then I met Scott, my current boyfriend, and I was totally like you at that point. Like, I'm just, at this point, I'm single. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy enjoying it. Not really hung up on anybody. You know, I feel very kind of free and clear about the it's whole such situation. A good and then I met Scott, and I was like, <laughs> "He's so great!" And I, we just hung out constantly. Right upon meeting each other, it was like instant. But it wasn't like to me. It wasn't. He's like watching this right now, honey. Um, <laughs> um, I. It wasn't like I. It, I don't think, and I don't think he would describe it either. It wasn't like head over heels, like craziness but it was just like we immediately fit Mm -hmm. and it was like this is normal of course we're hanging out today like and it just felt nice were you guys just friends at the beginning or no we met and that night we were like i like you and how'd you guys meet at a show he booked me on a show Uh through a friend and then and it was great and he um but and i remember being really afraid in the beginning like you're not ready for this you just went through fucking hell and back and i just but I was like, you know, I don't want to lose this person because mm-hmm. I really care about him and I'll just have to go with it. And he's had to deal with me still unraveling all that stuff. But he's been amazing. He, I mean, he knows everything about me. So <laughs> he's probably More really than- tired of me talking about all this <laughs> shit. But well, yeah. Everything about you. More. Are you more open with him than you were with your 
husband? Oh, no, I was very open with my husband. The difference is that I think he was not open with me. Mm-hmm. And Scott is very open with me. Like, I feel like I know almost everything. And stuff, stories will come up. And I'm like, oh, I haven't heard that yet. And I get all excited. Yeah. But just, he's just, he doesn't hide things from me in, in the day to day. That's mm-hmm. another thing. You, you can tell everyone all your stories, but you can still be closed off in your day to day. Like, yes. you don't tell someone just how you're feeling. Right. You know, or what your mood is, and they're just sort of presenting a sort of cold front. That's not good. And Scott's not like that, thank God. And your ex was. Yeah, he was like that. But was it? Um, was that just how he was? Yeah. Or was and he it wasn't just withholding. I don't know. I still like on my wor- on my angry days uh, when I get angry about it. I think he was cruel. Mm-hmm. You know, and just selfish, and like too afraid to to risk anyone letting it any letting anyone in that he would just he was slowly killing me but and neglecting me but then on my good days it's like it's just who he was and he's i am i'm the opposite we were opposite like Mm -hmm. so opposite and at first i thought for many years i was like oh that's that's what makes us so great you know (laughs) and then i was like oh i just want someone to hold my hand you know like just stuff like that and i was just like and I know that there are people that are women that are like that, you know, and they might be more compatible with him and that might be fine with him. But also I just think... Do you mean that... uh, This might be a stupid question. I just want Mm -hmm. someone to hold my hand. Do you mean that metaphorically? Or do you mean... Okay. But he was was very supportive of me. And I don't want to, like, totally bash this guy because God knows I've found out that if you don't want someone to hear something, um, don't say it. (laughs) on a podcast because they will find out yeah but um i'm i'm ready for him if if he hears all this like um and he has a problem with it you can talk to me and we can get through this but i don't think he wants to ever hear my voice again so i doubt he would but um he just he was very supportive of me to a point and then it was like you know well you're on your own and then, but physically, he did not. He would not hold my hand in public, or I would. I mean, it was all we argued argued about was stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, why can't? Why am I jealous of somebody getting their, you know, someone right. putting their arm around a girl makes me furious. Like, I'm just, it feels like I'm being stabbed because I mm-hmm. never get that from you, you know. And we would just all go back and forth in circles on on the same stuff over and over and over again. And then finally, I was just like, I can't. We can't yeah. do this anymore. I I have to believe there's something better. I'm like, you and your family, I wish I was like, you guys just are content with mm-hmm. whatever it is in your life. I'm I'm like, maybe I'm just being extremely greedy, and but I want more. So, and I think our our just career, career was going in different directions. He wanted to kind of settle down and be a, live a life that was very, which I don't judge anyone that does this i mean it was nice but you know eat hang out with your friends live a simple life no ambition beyond that and not question stuff it sounds like yeah and i don't know but in the beginning we were dreamed together and, the, and then he let go of his dream i think a little bit and it, it really hurt me because mm-hmm. i was like i was going full steam ahead and i felt like he was kind of pulling me is he a performer as well no he was a writer which is a very solitary, yeah. lonely thing in his own world. And just, it was, I couldn't get in there. I would just, I always would like compare. I had all these metaphors because I was trying to understand it so much. Like the metaphor of like, he was on a, on a hobo train, like <laughs> sitting there with like, 
<laughs> I'm a hobo on a train, living my life. The train's going real slow. and the, But I'm running next to the train to like oh, keep up yeah. with him and trying so hard to be with him. And then finally I was just like, I had to stop running and I'm walking off in the other direction and you're just going to go. It was really sad. That is really it sad. It was really sad. But I like that there's a song that goes with it. I'm a hobo on the train doing nothing. And you're doing everything to keep up with me. Like, yeah. I mean, and that was, I was just exhausted. I couldn't do it anymore. And then I also compared it to like, um, like he had a castle walls around him. And I just, no matter what I did, I, I couldn't get over him or through him or, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. When you said that, um, like up at a, up to a point then you were on your own or at a certain point you were on your own when you guys would go back and forth about stuff you're talking about like in what well, like you career mean? stuff like i would suggest maybe moving to la for something and he was just like absolutely not like without Jeez. even hearing me out and i would be like "Ooh, that was always something i kind of wanted to do <laughs> you yeah know, like, i just figured i'd become famous and have to go to hollywood like what that you weren't right. thinking that you yeah. know like, and it was that sort of immediate no Right. I'm not doing that. You know, it was like anger. Yeah, and it was like, just like, can we even talk about it? Yeah, like, That's what if it was, feel. and I, and it was for a job that was like, you know, it was working in the internet, like sort of a natural progression from what I had been doing. And, and a friend had like said, I might be hiring someone. Would you come out here? And I was, and, and when I told him about it, he was like, no, absolutely not. We would not do that. And I said, what if, cause I, it hurt. I was like, I'm oh. getting mad. Uh, well, I said, what if. What if I got a TV show? Would you move to LA then? He was like, sure. And I just, it just dawned on me. And it, my heart, it just shattered. I was that like, he's a star fucker? No. <laughs> that he doesn't, he didn't believe that I was going to make it. Oh. That's oh, what wow. It, he didn't believe in me. That when it was something so you mean tangible. He was saying, sure, like, because, because he, he didn't knew think it that would was... never happen. Oh. Well, fuck him. I know. And how exciting that now you are getting a TV yeah. show. <laughs> but really, fuck him. You know what? It's before the, it's before the time to do this segment, but we have a little thing that we need to say to him. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. <laughs> Jeez. I have yeah, to say, okay, can ugh. I just say one thing yes. just to like even the playing field here a little bit? There are some things I'm not discussing that happened um, that I did not do things correctly okay. and i just i can't go into it out of for specific reasons mainly trying to protect him because i don't want to get into the details but right. i just want everyone to know i'm i'm bashing him but i'm i also played a part in yeah, everything okay. and you know the record will show that you feel that it wasn't just like he was a bad guy it was both he's of not you. a bad person we weren't compatible i yes. probably didn't end it in the correct way and i know i really hurt him and so you can read into that what you want. Okay. <laughs> now, here's something that, oy, oy. that I think about. I actually, um, my boyfriend uh, texted, I had a general meeting, which is another thing I dislike. Generals. Yeah, what is the point? <laughs> yeah. Nothing ever, oh, maybe I'll sing my answer. Nothing ever comes out of them, but you still have to dance for someone <laughs> yeah. and feel like a uh, whore, to use the word again. <laughs> yeah. But you, I can't sing. I just have to, I, I'll just wrap it. Um, <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was great. Thank you. No, I'll do it. Um, but you still have to go on them if you want an opportunity, even <laughs> though I'm not sure I believe that. Yes. That I agree yeah. with that on the generals. Um, but so anyway, I, I had one and it was uh, 
surprisingly painful and because it ended up because the guy's like you know so what is it that you want to do after after like the 25 minutes of bonding and me feeling like this is going great i'm totally charming and breezy and fun and i'm making jokes and and i think i forget if we know the same people but we may as well because oh my god we're Mm -hmm. best friends and he's giving me what do you want to do and it wasn't a pitch meeting but then but i sort of pitched him like the what i want to do and then he was like "Mm." and just explained why like i could basically never do that because they don't give and i'm sorry that this is now splashing onto you a tiny bit um they don't give talk shows to people that aren't household names yep now let me just say something about that um, I had several people over the years tell me the same fucking thing. My own I've got management, a hard ashtray regarding my own this. management, told me that. Oh, really? Well, they said, well, they said they didn't say you, you won't have them. this. No, no, I love them. They said they actually made a really good point. They said, you know what they're going to say to you. I okay, said, I already know. I love them then too. I was like, I already know you're not famous. Why would we give this to you? Mm-hmm. And he, they say you have to have that answer back on why you. And I, and my answer at the time was. Because I was born to do this. <laughs> Did you really say that? That's what I told my management. And they were like, that's really sweet, but it needs to be a different answer. <laughs> I was what, like, okay. what did you come up with? <laughs> well, they said, what's the piece? What makes you different? What's the, you know, and right. I went around in my head over and over again, trying to figure out what was different about me. Because the show that I pitched was not, it's not reinventing the wheel. And then Nikki uh, was up for something really big. And she didn't get it. It was mm-hmm. to host a, a show with someone. And do we say what that was? That was yeah, we can say because she talked about it. Kevin Smith. It wasn't oh. like him being mean to her, but um, it was. Who a ended show. up getting it? I don't know. I don't know if it ever even went anywhere. Um, but it was between Nikki and another girl, mm-hmm. and um, she, Nikki didn't get it, and she was devastated. I mean, she really they got her hopes up, and they do that. Not they that tend I'm to better. do that. Yeah, no, they tend to do that, yeah. and I think. You know, she she had never been through something like that before, so she also learned like how to temper your expectations mm-hmm. and stuff in that moment. And that night, we were about to tape the podcast, and she found out in my backyard that she didn't get it, and she was so upset. And I started crying. We were we just talked about it on the podcast, and it was a really great episode. I don't remember the number, so sorry. Um, but how dare you not have <sighs> everything reference filed by point. number? Do you happen um, to know who the guest was on the that The guest one? was Tanner Wally. Okay. Um, we'll put the uh, link to that episode up on Yeah, it was a great website. episode. And um, we really got, like, really into our feelings about rejection in this business and just, she had just experienced it. And by the end, she's like, I feel great. You know, I feel so much better. I don't give a shit. And then when we were done taping, she just, we were in my kitchen, and I'll never forget this moment. She grabbed me and she went, what if we pitched a show together? And then it was just like the light bulb went off in my head and I went, well, I have something, mm-hmm. and you're the missing piece. It's the both of us hosting it. We're host a podcast together. Why didn't I think to put you in there with me? We have this chemistry that came out of nowhere. It's working. People like it. Why wouldn't I include you in this? You know, it just it just hadn't occurred to me because this idea I'd had forever before she existed in my life. And then in that moment, I went, "We're pitching a show together," and we started working on it together at that point. And then I had my new answer, which was because it's me and Nikki. Because we have a podcast that's already successful. And, and did they worked. accept that one? That <laughs> yes, answer? They did. Okay. And I think we both just had enough of a reputation. We just both had enough things right. in our, you know, on our resume that all together added up to we want someone new. You know, and, and that's the thing that I think 
some I don't know if you had this general with a I, uh, production I th- company or a network. It was a production company, and now, that, see, I think the problem yeah. is that to get someone who's willing to take a risk, you have to go higher up. Like this guy's just filling orders. Networks, He's like they want yeah. um, something involving fish and idiots. <laughs> yeah, the the networks. Um, it depends on the network, but I found I just from my experience of what I've how I've heard them, especially at MTV, and how I've heard them talk. They want to discover someone new. Mm-hmm. They want to be responsible. Right. That's a huge problem in our industry right now, I think, for, I mean, for, ever since I got involved. Somehow it's happened the day I show up. They Thanks, decide, <laughs> They decide, the gatekeepers decided that none of them were ever going to take a risk again. Yes. And they were all going to just wait for one of the others to validate. Jenny McCarthy can barely get a talk show. Yeah. I feel like he said <laughs> that or I don't know. Oh, no. They told me, Kathy Griffin, this was years ago. I met with VH1 or something, mm-hmm. and they, which is, I love it because I'm like, now I'm at MTV. Yeah. Go suck my dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they were like... Um, I met with somebody at VH1 and he was like, oh, Kathy Griffin wants a talk show on our network and we're not going to even give her to her. I don't even know why. You know, now she well, has they a give show. give it to you. They, yeah, they I'm have like, to give it to okay. someone else. Too. You know, this was year. I wasn't right. ready. You know, it was just years and years ago. Um, so that, I think that there's a, there's a lack of risk taking yeah. on a lower level. I think higher up, you know, if but that's the thing that Patton Oswalt's speech at Just for Laughs this year was uh, talking about this, about how these days... We as comedians have to do our own shit. We have to make ourselves our own name because now the, you know, the sort of industry doesn't, I mean, I'm talking on the level of getting into Montreal, um, getting a a spot on late night, getting uh, your first spot on Comedy Central. I think on that level, it's extremely hard right now to break in just on your stand-up. You have to have done other things. You have to be hot you know, and it's like, well, who? I'll be well, hot. No problem there, but <laughs> you have to be. You have to have huge tits. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have which huge is why Twitter I'll numbers. never do stand up on TV. Um, <laughs> but no, they. they um, I don't. Well, they, they say no that, one will give you that at, first chance. Look at Lena Dunham. I know. Obviously not a stand up, but I, I mean, like, there are they anomalies. Say, yeah, they yeah. say all these things, and but then it's... someone comes along who doesn't fit the mold, and everyone, you know, and then. Actually, I don't think it makes them realize that they were wrong, but it makes it gives hope to people like me, at least, who's like they just they lack the vision to realize that that, what they are trying to put out is not what the audience is demanding. That's the thing that's frustrating. And and I think, you know, like I've felt this. I still feel this. I'm very frustrated with my stand up right now. I'm I'm going in circles about is it good enough? And then I'll go, yes, it's fucking good enough. Like, I've worked 10 years on this. I have, like, over an hour of material. It's all just sitting there. Mm-hmm. No one will let me do it on TV. Like, what is it about me? And I'm trying to figure out what, what part of it is my fault. Am I just not ready? Whatever. And what part of it is, for some reason, I just can't. I don't fit the mold that they want. They already have one like me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. But I can't convince those people. And I, and everyone's like, well, you just have to get one of those things. And then everyone else. And I'm like, right. but. You're just going in a circle at that point, and everyone's like, "No, not ready. No, thanks, not yet." And then and now, the do big... you have heart embers over that? Oh hell yeah! Okay. And it's like people are like, "You have a TV show. Stop complaining." I'm like, "Yeah, but you don't understand that hurt doesn't go away, right? You know, like right away." And I'm not I'm not on TV yet. It might be a total failure, and I'll be back to where I am right now. So I'm thinking, still thinking about these things. I'm still in that world that I have been in, mm-hmm. and the. Everyone's like, well, the TV show will change that. And I'm like, it may or may not. I'm not trying to – I've been in this position before where I've gotten a great opportunity and I'm so excited about it. And then it doesn't change my life the way I thought it would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really just a, ste- a, a baby step, yeah. even though this is a big deal. 
you know, I'm not expecting to be incredibly famous right after, you know, like that, that takes time. My dad was like, are you going to, are you going to be able to ride the subway? And I'm like, (laughs) yes, I'm going to be, it's not going to be that. And then some people are like, well, you might be really famous. I'm like, I don't know. I don't, how can I predict that right now? Right. The only thing I can control right now is the, is what we do on the show. And so that's what I'm trying to think about and not think about like how money. change everything, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> money, fame, that kind of stuff. Are you nervous? Yeah, I'm really nervous, but I'm also really just want to do it. I'm just excited. I know I can do it. Like when we did the pilot, when we were up there on the stage shooting it, at first I was super scared. I'd never done teleprompter. Like all these things were new. At once. How did that go, doing teleprompter, having never had done it? was fine. Done it? You should have been better with We knew the material. Today. We had written it, so we mm-hmm. knew it really okay. well. And since then, I've gotten more comfortable just with, you know, we were changing things up, you know, right to the last minute. We did two tapings in one night. We changed a bunch of stuff. They and so and it's it right there. sketch and talk show, or what's the yeah, format? It's, well, it changed. We did one pilot that was sort of a grab bag, and this was a strategy because we knew that MTV was going to be kind of nervous about doing a talk show they haven't done one in so long and and so we just were like here's what it could be here's a million different things pick mm-hmm. what you like and that's what they did they went okay let's do another pilot like a reshoot of it and do it this way which was the which happened to be what we originally wanted which was a more traditional like me and Nikki doing jokes at the top which I, I would compare it to like a standing up weekend update mm-hmm. but you know not to a younger audience so like not so much politics as it is like pop culture right. stuff. And um so we would do jokes back and forth, some together. And then the rest of the show will be like sketches, parodies, an interview with a celebrity. Um yeah, so it's gonna be gonna be kind of a grab bag. But yeah, it has very basic fundamental roots in a talk show. Mm-hmm. And you guys have done the pilot or a couple of pilots. Have you mm-hmm. been doing more episodes yet? No, we haven't started working yet. Right now we're working on some web stuff. Um, to lead up to it and then official work begins at the end of October and trying to promote it and stuff which that stuff scares me because I you know I don't know I, and also like what if they reject my face like what if America <laughs> hates my face or like huh? you know there's like things Sorry, like that like I, I spent a ton of money on my hair like people don't even notice that it's different it but looks good. to me it is like I feel like a million dollars because it's just I know that it was professionally done. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, what, what was it like before? It was just like this, but drab. <laughs> like it was like I mean, there's a lot of zhuzh going on. <laughs> yeah, there was. It was just dirty blonde, dirty. It was emphasis on dirty. It just looked, and I have like gray hairs and shit, and so I got someone to make it like more red and like dip, dipped my tips. Mm-hmm. It's a new you. It's a new it's me. A, and I got, I got like slightly one. trendier glasses okay. to be hip with the kids. But I feel like your glasses have always been hip. Well, the, I, the glasses I had, they, they kind of had become part of my face um, and my look are now like six years old. And I was like, that style is just starting to go. I was like, there, I noticed that like young starlets are wearing these like kind of bigger glasses. So I'm like, I got to go a little bigger. Me, right. but just a little bit updated i didn't mm-hmm. want it to be like show up like trying so hard to be younger looking or whatever right. yes well actually that's something you guys were talking about on your podcast um demo lovato which i demo think is lovato. hilarious which is <laughs> what well explain that well demi lovato is a, a pop star yes very popular with the younger crowd and um when we were shooting the pilot we kept talking about the demo 
What is the demo? Not like who pandering was make, to the demo. Right. Who was, was this something you were, conversations you were having with your producers? Yeah, with MTV, with the development executives and like, and us. Like, cause, and it's not about pandering to a younger audience or dumbing it down or being cheesy. Cause we really kept, I mean, I, some of the jokes we did in the pilot, I do in my stand up now. Like, they're legit jokes. Mm-hmm. But it's about frame of reference. So if you want to make a reference to, you know, Jerry Orbach on Law and Order, it's probably not going to hit as hard yeah. <laughs> with that crowd. So, you know, we, then you got to hit broad, you know, big and broad. And I'm okay with that. I think those jokes are great. I love Weekend Update. I love The Daily Show. And I think, that, you know, The Daily Show takes very specific niche pol- political stories and makes them extremely easy to understand mm-hmm. and makes very broad jokes about it. I mean, if you watch that show, it's, it's not, it's very smart, but it's also very easy to understand. Right. And it's accessible. Yeah. So that's like what we were kind of doing with the demo, like talking about, you know, well, they might not get that. So let's think of another way of making that joke. And then Nikki started calling the demo, Demo Lovato. (laughs) But do you naturally feel like that is what your demo would be, though? Or in your head? It's like research. They know what their demo is. And it's the the majority of the audience on MTV is like, you know, women, teenage and college age women, Mm -hmm. which I'm totally down with. Those are my peeps. That's what I'm asking. I'm down with that. I'm I like what they like. I'm a girl at heart, you know, still, and I'm not, I don't cling, I'm nostalgic for my, this shit I liked growing up, but I like new stuff too. Like mm-hmm. Katy Perry is one of my favorite people on earth and I like what she's selling, even if it's cheesy, you know? And I think that's the tone of our show is going to be more celebratory instead of like snark. I don't, we're not going to be doing what Chelsea Handler is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think she's coming at it from a slightly older point of view, partied hard, like, you know, her exploits with right. celebrities. And I think me and Nikki aren't celebrities coming into it. And I mean, I don't, not that Chelsea was a huge celebrity going into her show, but um, I think we're coming into it as a fan, mm-hmm. as fans of this stuff and, and questioning what the media does to women. And, you know, I think that's, you know, we're not going to be making fat jokes. We'll be making jokes about why is anyone saying that Anne Hathaway needs to lose weight? This is ridiculous. Like that Are kind of stuff. actually saying that? We did a joke about it because she lost weight for her role in Les Mis. Like, she's eating an apple, just one apple every day. You know, these are these right. stupid stories you read. Who knows if it's true or not? But yeah. they were like, she did look pretty thin. And then she shaved her head, which made her look even skinnier. And, mm-hmm. and we were like, where is she going to lose the weight from? Her <laughs> eyes? And it was because her eyes are so big. And we made a joke about that. And So it's like that kind of... You know, making fun of celebrity, but also like looking up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you guys start doing the podcast, and when did you start doing it? Um, it was about two years ago. We met at a party in New York. Um, Brian Baldinger, who's a really great guy, he's on the scene. He's like a Booker type manager mm-hmm. type guy. He had a party, and Nikki and I were both there, and we just we knew who each other were, and I think we'd met briefly before, but um, we just started talking because there was a bunch of girl comedians there, and she and I were talking and. I mean, it sounds like Brian just had a harem of girls. I mean, <laughs> right. There was men there, too. But, like, the girls tend to, like, gravitate yeah. and talk. And um, she and I just started talking. And we were talking about Justin Timberlake and how angry we were that he hadn't made new music. 
and which ended up being a sketch we wrote years mm-hmm. later, which helped us get our show. But, yeah, um, I, well, because he retweeted that. Yes, right? he tweeted our video about it. I was wondering, did One that of the best open doors or like what did that do? It helped solidify when we went into pitch. Um, we pitched like a year ago this week, mm-hmm. um, and oh, happy pitch anniversary! I know it's all <laughs> happening. Uh. Uh, so we went in and uh, we timed the video. I just had a feeling, a gut feeling that that video was going to be huge. I just, working in the internet for as long as I had, I just could, would get that feeling about certain things. I'm uh-huh. like, this is going to be viral. I already know it. And so I was like, let's post the video one week before the pitch meeting. And it will have gone viral and they will already know what we're about before because they will see it. Right. I know how these things work. They will get somebody to send That's them the video. That's such a good divining rod to have because I hear people be like, we're going to make a viral video. And I think, <laughs> yeah, like, well, like hell you I are. Well, I didn't say that. No, I, I know, said, but I'm just we, saying. Most we had this know. idea to make this PSA thing. And I knew, I was like, Nikki, we, we, ha- we have to do it right because I know this is a funny idea. I can tell it's going to get a lot of play because everyone feels this way. <laughs> and it did. And he tweeted it within like 12 hours of us posting it. And then it went huge. Did you do anything to try to get him to see it? No. no he just- and I had a feeling. I'm like, I know how this world works at this point, working at Fallon and like how just the internet and how it works. It'll get to him. Because once it was on the front page of Huffington Post, I was like, he's going to see it. I yeah. know it. His people are going to forward it to him because they're going to, you know, think it's funny. And if he's the type, and I, you know he's the type of guy that can laugh at himself. So his people are going to forward it to him. And then boom. Right. And he tweeted it. And I, 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 I literally flipped out and ran circles in my apartment like I just went crazy because I love him so much and I was like he saw my face (laughs) yeah so it was great that's cool um wait I lost I had a question it was about oh yeah uh all you're working in web um I know that you did uh internet and social media stuff for Jimmy Fallon yes um before that, were you? Were, yeah, what else? Yeah, take my me first, through your all the jobs you had. Um, I worked at the Italian Oven when I was sixteen. No, um, what is that? Is that a restaurant? It was or a, is restaurant, that a, a restaurant. A restaurant in, okay. in Midlothian, Virginia. Um, <laughs> I was their social Server? media director before it existed. <laughs> uh, no, um, a I, my first break, I guess, in New York. My first job that wasn't a day job, like a day day job. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right, because you went to New York and did some kind of corporate like, Yes, I worked at like a law thing, firm, right? did okay. damages for these stock trading cases. I That's just learned it. I'm so stupid. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, I think about it, I'm like, I understand stock trading. Like that's something yeah. that I can do. <laughs> I don't well, do now, it. You were but... an English major though. So yeah. what, and I was an English major too, what made you gravitate towards that kind of job? Uh, because someone knew someone and got me the okay. job and I was afraid to come to New York without a plan because it made me really nervous because um, it seemed so daunting. So I was like, I have to have a what job. What year was that? 2001. Okay. I moved here right after 9-11. It was ridiculous. I, wait, what, uh, what month? October. Okay. Like a month after. Wow. Wow. Was everyone I'd like, already, what the hell are you doing? Well, yeah. They were like, why are you still going? I'm yeah. like, it's probably the safest place to be right now. They already kind of got them. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was, I mean, that's the were fucked you, up you, thing to were say. Were you nervous to fly though? Because I certainly was. After, oh, I right was after. scared shitless yeah. for probably four or five months after it happened. I mean, I think everybody was nervous about it. Because then right after that, the, the anthrax thing happened. Right. And then right after I moved here, that plane crashed in Jamaica, Queens. And it was, just seemed like tragedies were happening mm-hmm. like horrible people were doing horrible things even though the plane crash in jamaica queens was an accident 
ruled an accident. It was just when you heard about it, you were like, is this happening again? I mean, yeah. it was like that feeling that it was never going to end. Right. Which I think. And there was an inevitability to disaster, <clears throat> the feeling of yes. disaster. Well, it was it was what I was so fucked up about 9-11. I think it's why it fucked us up so bad psychologically is because on the day it happened, it just was like more. What else is going to. I mean, things kept happening and it was yeah. just unbelievable. I mean, it was I mean, it really fucked our heads. Big time. That's a burning ember for the American society. Yeah. For, I mean, they. If you look at numbers, I mean, not to get like I can talk about nine eleven, but That's okay. They killed three thousand people, which, in terms of like war, I know is not it's that many people. Few, it's like even a little bit fewer than than three thousand. I think. Yeah. I was just because it was just the the anniversary of nine eleven just happened. Yeah. I was watching the news and I saw the number on the screen. And I was like, fuck. That's compared to like other gigantic, awful things, things and things not... we this country has done. I mean, not right. done, but things we've been involved in, yeah. and, the, and the collateral it's not damage as much as other things. And tsunami, yet it's like, like yeah. But what it did to us psychologically yeah. is is genius in a way. I mean, I, I know that is a very controversial. That's like right. you get in trouble for saying they were geniuses, mm-hmm. but I mean. You want to fuck somebody in the head? Yeah. I mean, they figured out a way to do it. Well, right. It's what it's terrorism in the truest sense of the word. Terror, spreading yes. terror. Yes. They planted a seed in all of us yeah, that will, yeah. our generation, it will never go away. Right. You know, I mean, I, I think the next generation will have no concept of it unless something happens, which I think is a great thing. I would like mm-hmm. to, the next generation to be a little more innocent, but, you know. It's anyway. weird, though, if you think about, like, going back to talking about history, the history textbooks that you and I would have read in grade school. I, I, I forget what year the, like, uh, big stories kind of tapered off, but yeah. there wasn't really... I feel well, like, like Desert you, Storm was scary to me. That was... Yeah. And we had the, the, riots the Cold War. And, me, yeah, 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 OJ. Like, yeah. You know, those big moments where you know where you were or whatever, but 9-11, I mean, that did some fucking damage. Cake. yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So then, <laughs> but moving back on, to but, comedy, right, on the lighter uh, side, s- social okay, so media. You- um, I I worked at this law firm and then I got a job. I auditioned and got. This is like one of the only things uh-huh. I ever got. Um, by audition, and it was um, a. I hosted a web show for AOL. The DL. The DL. What a stupid name. <laughs> I didn't choose it. Um, I was like, do you know the, the, what that means among the African-American community? <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, so. Did you ever ask them that? Yes. We talked about it. And it, was, it was chosen before I got there. Okay. So I was like, ugh. But anyway, um, I interviewed a ton of bands. It was, it was a really fun year. And then it got canceled. I can't believe it lasted a year because mm-hmm. it was such a mess. But um, no one saw it. I mean, it was so stupid. But. I got to do some great stuff. Were you already doing comedy at that point? Yes. I did comedy from like 2002 starting in New York and just was doing all kinds of stuff. Improv, stand-up, sketch, anything I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there I got a job. I had to go back to the law firm work for a few months and it was so terrible because I (laughs) thought I would never have to do that again. And I was like eating crow. And then um, I went and got this job blogging for Best Week Ever, which was an awesome job and it taught me how to write quickly about mm-hmm. pop culture which i wasn't i didn't feel confident about and then i was like i can totally do this and then from there i got the job at fallon okay yeah and i think you were doing best week ever when i met you yeah the fuse thing yeah. um all right so then you went to fallon and then yeah. you left fallon was that to go freelance or um to write for who wants to be a millionaire oh, okay. and i wanted to leave and that came up and it was a great way out. Um, I wanted to leave just because I knew I wasn't going to get writer there. I could just, the writing, the non-writing was on the wall. <laughs> and um, Was that hard? 
Oh yeah, it hurt me bad. But I mean, just because how did you submit packets? I had. They asked me to, and oh, that makes it worse. Yes, it does. Um, it just wasn't going to happen. I, I think to move up at that show in any position is almost impossible, and a lot of people have left because you know, a I think it's just a really hard job. It burns you out, and you mm-hmm. have to move on. And they don't seem they don't seem to care. Right. And I, I understand. It's not a it's a business thing and their core creative group is, is there and mm-hmm. that's the heart of the show and um and they do a great show and to be a part of it for even a small time is great. But it's hard to stay there with no hope of moving up if yeah. you're on the lower echelons of things. And because you know that you can take what you've done there on such a great show, such a big deal, and go and get something move up. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard carrot to not like jump at. Right, right. Um and I mean, I was really hurt that I didn't get to be writer, but because um, it's all I wanted. I really had convinced myself because my dream was always to host a talk show. And I convinced myself after being there, I was like, well, now I know you, you know, Jimmy's a man. I'll never get that. So I want to write for one. And then they just wouldn't let me do it. And I was like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be a blogger anymore. And, and so my agent was like, oh, hear me out. It's, it's a game show. <laughs> I was like, I've heard of it. <laughs> And it was the best decision I ever made because within a year, I mean, I just, my, my schedule opened up mm-hmm. and probably your spirit. Yes. It was just not, it was just such a much better mentally, less emotionally draining job than a daily talk show. Yeah. That's crazy and high strung and you know, all that. What's Jimmy like? He's, he's great. I mean, he really is that person. He's enthusiastic. He's fun. He's nice. He's so supportive and he's still like really supportive of me and what I do and, um, I love him. He's great. Okay, so then you went to uh, I was gonna say he wants to marry a millionaire, which is <laughs> that's the, not the right show. That's, that that's, was a, oh, that was a doozy. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Second only to Bachelor Pad. Oh, um, oh my god! Who wants? To, do you watch Bachelor Pad? I had a blow by blow described to me of the finale of the last one. How crazy it was! Okay, got, the per- who delivered the blow by blow? My sister. Because, okay. I, I have not watched the show. She was like, "I have to tell you about what happened, though." And she had to explain to me the whole concept because I've never really watched that show. I'm more of a Bachelor Bachelorette person. Okay. Bachelor Pad is it too takes, unorthodox for you. It's just like my bandwidth. I don't have enough yeah. to handle that on top. It's like watching the challenges on top of watching the real world. Right, it's right. Like you got to yeah. commit. No, although I, I did watch the challenges for years and years. Okay. But I, I hear what you're saying. I get the gist. Um, okay, my boyfriend was like beside himself. Is too strong, but sort of beside himself over what had happened on the finale of Bachelor No, my Pad. whole family was like over, ups- Like he just so couldn't upset. believe that anyone could be so manipulative. I believe he used the word sociopath and just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I watched it and for the people who don't know the show, it's okay. You'll still be able to follow what I'm saying. Um, and I'm like, I am having trouble feeling outrage over this because they're all a bunch of assholes. Yes, and ultimately all we're talking about is money anyway which granted yeah. it's a big deal but i mean in the big scheme of things yeah. like it's not like he i mean he, like he, he murdered knifes, someone yeah he knifed someone in the back figuratively but by you know cutting her out of the money and the, and this is the whole point of the game is to like Win outsmart the that's the whole point so well, that's why i was kind of like he's was like, a What's genius wrong with me no that i am not like a, she described it to me and she's okay. like, it was so crazy. And I was like, I actually, just from what you told me, I respect this guy. And she's like, I do too. people described it to me as disturbing and upsetting. 
Yeah. It didn't find, I didn't find, feel well, disturbed. She upset, said it though. was just so stupid on his reaction, was just like, fuck all yeah, y'all. Yeah. I fucking got you. Right. But that he, she was, he had a she, whole rationale for his she behavior. She got the sense, though, that he wasn't that manipulative, that he really was stupid. Mm, I think so, yeah. And then at the end was acting like, I fucking got you. He just right. went on a whim. He took a risk thinking mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't happen. And then when it did, he he got all He's like, like puffed up. He's like, I planned it all along, yeah. Yeah, it was, I meant to do that, you know? Right. Like, he probably Very just... Peewee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a, he's a personal trainer. That's what he does. Yeah. So. Um, they're all a real bunch of gems. <laughs> they really are. Um... I oh gosh, we should do a segment, but I am I'm wanting to know about your relationship with Nikki and how mm-hmm. that works with the two of you. I read in the New York Times story about you guys that um, you're like the older sister, and I, she's. I wanted to know. Yeah, let me, they yeah, say what it is, and then I want to know what your thoughts are about being, um, yeah. being you know, described that way. You're kind of the, the wiser older sister. Mm-hmm. She's the I forget how they described her exactly. Younger, like and wild she's, party girl type kind of yeah dumber i don't know if what they didn't use dumber she's not dumber but. She, more maybe she's more irreverent that's not the word they use either though but yeah. anyway like she's the one who will go for the punchline sometimes she'll deliver the punch yeah line. i mean it was a very the way, simplified yes and that's something i'm starting to bristle at not bristle at but just it, it makes me a little scared um when i think about because i know how these things go they want to make you very simple yeah and put you in a box and this is the smart one i know that i have the glasses i have the brown hair and i have a deeper voice so therefore you're gonna be the which one i'm gonna be the nerdy um like older sister librarian Mm -hmm. nerd type (laughs) and nikki's gonna be the blonde bimbo type but that's not who we are at all so i think it'll be i know that we control our show and we will have you know we will do what we do on the show Mm -hmm. but i think people who talk about the show will decide what they think we are. But um, I know what it looks like on the surface. But I mean, I think in some ways I am more wild than Nikki. And in some ways she's more wild than me. Like Mm -hmm. we have a very complex, like we're both complex people. And like, I mean, I think I'm probably, I'm probably more like if you want to, if you like looked at it on paper, I'm probably way sluttier than Nikki. Although I think that they'll, they'll, people will say she's the like, because she's blonde Right. And like well, single, and, and yeah, I'm in a relationship. You know, she's single, so she can right. But talk like, more she's a really good girl, and she's like more conservative with dating than I ever mm-hmm. was. So, um, another thing is that where I think she's highly intelligent, and we both like lack skills in certain areas. Of, like, I'm not good with the beauty tips <laughs> and stuff like that. But she doesn't know how to clean. You know, like, and that kind of goes an into apartment. That, yeah, As like opposed to herself because <laughs> she does know how that'd to be weird. I'm the one that doesn't know how to clean myself. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, we have this. Um, yeah, I do definitely take the that older sister role a lot. Just in our personal lives, I think because I'm six years older than her, right. and so I've had more life experience. And but she's taught me a lot too. So you know, it's just. It'll be fun to see like how it all shakes out, and I mean, I definitely like someone said recently, like, "Oh, are you worried? Like, what? There's going to be like a behind the music about what happened to Nikki and Sarah, like <laughs> when their relationship fell apart." Like, I'm like, no. I mean, we've been we've worked really hard going into this. Like, we've had a lot of long talks about like you are first and foremost, you know, the one I'm loyal to. And we've said that to each other, and it's our things have already happened where 
someone communicated from MTV or somewhere else, like something to the other without telling one of us. And Mm -hmm. we immediately tell each other everything. So we kind of told MTV, like if, if you don't talk to us as equals and at the same time about everything, even if it only relates to like one person, you know, you're not gonna be able to hide anything. Like we're going to tell each other. everything. Do you guys have the same representation? No. That can be, I think that might get tricky because it's just a lot of people's opinions involved. Right. I feel you like know? the email chains are probably yes. super And long. it can get, I think that might get frustrating. But I think in the end, Nikki and I control what we do. Right. And that we've tried to really talk about that out and be like, we don't know what's going to happen. Some things are going to be really frustrating that we haven't even thought of yet. A few things have happened where we're like, oh, shit, we're going to have to worry about that? Like, <laughs> like what? Just like, you know, one thing, it didn't end up happening, but they were going to have her do something on the network without mm-hmm. me. Oh. You know, and at first I was like, I mean, I was like, it's fine because it's like, oh, they'll give me something someday too. And I don't, you know, but there was part of me that was like, what if, what if they all hate me and I lose my show and my dream to her, you know, which I, I thought she'd be what great at like it. But like her face, but not your face. Yeah, like <laughs> you can't help. That's a, I'm, I've told her that fear. I've, t- I've been very open about yeah. it because I think people need to understand that they need to be a little sensitive to us because we are. Yeah. We're, we're equals, which is rare on a talk show to have two equal hosts. Mm-hmm. Usually it's a sidekick. So you know who the top is right. and you know who to talk, you know. And since it's the both of us, I mean, it's it's there presents some it's good because we have each other to go through with it. We've all oh, every step of the way been like, oh, thank God you're here because mm-hmm. it's not just on me. We're sharing this. But then at times it's like, you know, what if they try to tear us apart? And what if, you know. We're human beings. I mean, we've talked about, like, we get jealous of each other sometimes. And- I w- yeah, I was wondering about that because um, you were talking about how it's a, sort of a sore spot that you haven't been invited to Montreal. Oh, yeah. And she, her she stand-up did, right? career is through the roof. I mean, she's doing Conan tomorrow night. I mean, oh, she's, wow. she her stand-up career is enviable, and I definitely am jealous of it. But I'm not jealous of it to the point where I don't want her to have those things. I'm ex- her. I've always said to her, don't ever hide things from me that you're excited that are yeah. happening for you because your success, I mean, even on a selfish level, you, the better, more famous you are, the more famous I'll be, you know, the more successful our show will be like yeah. your success is my success and vice versa. And so, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's something we have, you know, like there's been things that I did or, I mean, nothing that panned out, but like I got close on a couple of things and she, she was like, I'm so jealous that you got, even got that opportunity and, and did so well with it, and I want to do things like that. And I'm like, it. There's plenty to go around. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be fine. Like we are both gonna have great careers. Like we already do. We've accomplished so much, and nothing's gonna. You know, one of us being more successful than the other does not diminish the other. You know, and yeah. we've had a lot of long talks about that. Of like, you know, well, that's the thing. It's gonna be okay. This is not a race against each right. other. You know, it's yeah. us against the world, if anything. So. Yeah, and you can be jealous or envious of someone, something, but still happy for them yes. that they have it. Yes, and we're okay being honest about those things. And, and the main thing is the first reaction always has to be supportive. You can't be, huh, you got Conan? Well, that fucking sucks. And then be right. like, oh, but I am really happy for you. You have to you put on the, the, way, the happy yeah. face. And then you can say, you know, I mean, we've said things to, you know, she said, like, I'm not... One time she's like, I'm afraid of telling you certain things because I know that you want these things and I'm getting them. And, you know, and I'm like, I would much rather you tell me than to hide it from me. Yeah. Because then it feels. That feels sneaky. Yeah. Don't do that. You know, just tell me everything. It's fine. 
Like right. I can, I'm a big girl. I can handle it. Your podcast, which yeah. you, you were saying um, before the show started, that that <clears throat> MTV might build you guys a little a podcast studio at MTV so you can yeah. do it there. But currently, you do it in your living room, yeah. right? Yeah. And do you have a live audience? Yes. How many people come over? Sometimes it's like 15 people squeezed in there, and sometimes wow. it's like two. It just now, depends on the night. Are these all people that you know? I, I say this is so. I used to do Alice, this show uh, in its previous incarnation, Allison Rosen's new best friend, was a Ustream show that I did out of mm-hmm. my living room in Brooklyn. Um, and I would have like friends come over, mm-hmm. a very small amount, but they, they all did different segments and things. But the idea of opening up my living room to people that I don't know that well scared me. Um, yeah. So we, in the beginning, it was just friends. And then we kind of expanded it to friends of friends. And then one week we invited strangers and we where did a little did these, where did you find Twitter them? and stuff. We were okay. like, do any fans want to come? We need an audience. And then were people we, telling you you're crazy? That's scary. Yeah. And we did an email. I did like an email interview, you know, with them. <laughs> that's good. And, you vetted them. And it was fine at first, but I think then we realized there were some that were just weird. Yeah. And we had to cut people off and it became ugly. And it was like, well, you just confirmed why. We stopped inviting you because mm-hmm. you're acting crazy. This was a privilege, and I'm sorry you got taken away, but you made us uncomfortable, and now you're attacking me, and it's like, and now I know you know where I live, and it was it was just kind of a mess. But it, um, was it was it guys? Yes, there was a, there was a couple that we were just like, like we we starting to recognize the signs now, yeah. like someone who's just a little too invested, mm-hmm. doesn't have bound, doesn't understand boundaries, right? But it feels so shitty. To you not feel, well, be and, available and open to someone who's they're just all about you, and they're they that well, then they turn it on you and say, yes. "I'm supporting you. I've been here for you." And it's Ugh. like, well, you're not really here for us if you're not respecting us. Yeah, that's such a yeah. You know, I'm not you're here agree. for that's yourself. A hard thing, though, you know, I've had and to it's realize. like yeah. if you're not, and when when someone's not self aware in that way, right? There's really nothing you can do. It's yeah. just you have to rip the bandaid off. So, yeah. kind of ran into some trouble there, but now we have a new policy. You know. If you want to be on the list, you have to either know us, come with a friend that is on the list, mm-hmm. or meet us separately. You know, come to a show, start slow, and at any point you can be removed from the list without explanation. God, why are you so stuck up? I know. There are certain... So now it's going to be a little different with the yeah. studio, so we can control... But even then, I don't want weirdos coming into that either, so... There are certain people, and I was going to say fans, but actually it's people... People you meet where I feel like from the moment that they um, that they communicate with you, there's like an hourglass turned over. And if you don't respond within a certain amount of time, they are going to flip out and be a- upset with also you. Also a red flag. That yeah. same, the same person was, was if you didn't respond within five minutes of a question, it was like I got 25 emails. And it was yeah. like – and text messages. And right. Like, Dude, it's just it's a lack of awareness. A it's a lack of awareness about importance in yes. each person. Like, yeah, that was real vague and and yet still assholeish of me. What I was trying to say. No, I think no. they think that they're the center of your world in the same way that you might be the center of their world, not realizing that you're there's a bunch of emails you're trying yeah. to answer. And I sound like a total asshole. No, so to no, no, my, no, 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 no. No, I do. But to certain people out there, I sound like an asshole. No, I, I love but, you guys. I know, but it's, it's you have to understand that, you know, I also am not responsive. Like, I'm like that with everyone. It, don't take everything so personally. Yes, you that's know, what it that, is. That it's not a one, right, like what you said, it's, you're thinking 
about me that, uh, you know, that I would get my feelings hurt if you didn't write me back, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't right. give a shit because I'm not like that. And that's just the difference between you and me. It's not one is better than the other. It's just different. Mm-hmm. So calm down. I'm not, I don't hate you. I'm not yeah, trying to like, Yeah. it's when people start acting like they've They're, got conspiracy theories on you that you're like, okay, you're not in the same reality as we are. Right. Like, you know, like this isn't personal. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's when people are making you someone else in their life, like their family or their yeah. parents or whatever. Um, on that happy note, I think it's time for just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right, Funkafried, oh, I like your name, says, I get pissed if someone opens the door for me from too far away. I feel like I need to double time it so I don't make them wait. <laughs> yes, I think yeah, that's universally annoying, and it's more annoying because the person is trying to be polite. But you're like, now I've got to hoof it to the door. Um, How do you feel that, about that? That's not me, but I'm also uh, a fast walker. I don't, I don't mind huffing it. Like, right. It doesn't bother me. But do you, feel com- do you feel compelled to like get to the Rush door faster? Across, yeah. yeah, you do? Yeah. Okay. All right. Chestnut carry. <laughs> After I take a shower, I cup my boob with my hand while brushing my hair to avoid a nipple nip. Um, I don't do that, but now I'm going to. Wait. Just because I want to hold my boobs. Nip? Nipple nip? Does this Meaning mean like you're going to brush? I feel, e- okay, either someone else sent this in, in which case it's really not just you, or or Chestnut Carrie already sent this one in, so I'm or emailed it, because I'm very familiar with this idea that someone is afraid they're going to brush their nipple. Like, hurt, I, um, get it caught in the hairbrush. I comb my hair oh. with a comb. But you could still, you could still, uh, the teeth of the comb could scrape a co- yeah. across your tender I'm areas. I'm more afraid of when I'm trimming my bush. Because I don't do the full, bris- right. I don't do waxing because okay. it's, why bother? I don't yeah. care. Um, Bush is back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just made that declaration to every guy I've ever met. Uh, Eight more my, years. I have a huge bush. Deal with it. Um, but it's trim. But I'll it trim like, it. Yeah. And I'll shave, you know, so that it's not like, right. you know, spreading out outside of my underwear. But um, <laughs> <laughs> there's not but I'll trim it. it. I'll trim it. And I have nipped my labia <gasps> before. And I'm telling you, oh I'm just warning God. you, That's it like is a, you the worst pain I've ever felt. It's the worst pain I've ever felt really? in my life. It, it, it is an, so intense, so intense and does not go away for, it, you think it would just be the initial, when you cut yourself, when your skin, it just hurts yeah. at that first moment, maybe hurts a little bit. It is that intense for like a prolonged oh, like 15 seconds. Now, does that surprise you though? Because see, I'm, this is what's going on in my head. Yeah. I'm thinking, I don't think my labia would be that sensitive Maybe I'm just not oh, messing. Hell yeah, maybe they I'm are. not. This is what. I'm, this, so then I'm like, oh my god, maybe I'm never enjoying sex as no, much. No, I think people. you don't realize because you only usually only feel pleasure there. Mm-hmm. What how intense that is, and because you don't feel pleasure when you're like tapping your, you know, your, arm. Oh, you, oh, I see what you're saying. Right. If you so, had a, if you had clitori going up your <laughs> arm, it would, it would feel good if you touched it, and it would hurt if you nicked right. it. Right. So the hurting is just as intense. I mean, Jesus huh? Christ, it is the worst. I'm sorry. I and, and now got, I'm like down there like a fucking with like <laughs> like what a headlamp yes a headlamp <laughs> and like a telescope to be like don't you know and wow. I have like I use my other hand as a guard oh see you're essentially yeah. doing what she does yeah I cut my labia when I trim my bush so oh. no it's not just you <laughs> I think that other part did that make you me. afraid to pee 
I don't know where the cut was, but I would be, no. I no. mean, it was it was not it was labia. It was like a cut, like blood coming out. Like it was unbelievable. Did you wonder just if you a nick. Get stitches? No, it was it, it was just a bad. nip. I mean, it really right. was tiny. You know, because I yeah, I have huge labia, but it was a tiny cut. <laughs> right. Okay. Great. Sorry. Are you fairly shaking even? Uh, one's tiny, a bit like like more dangly than the other. Okay. I mean, they dangle That's out. Like it's not. I mean, not though, like right? long. I don't have like yeah. huge labia, but like um, Nikki and I have talked about your labia. I don't have to tuck it. <laughs> no, Nick, Nikki and I have talked about this on the podcast. Like oh, okay. that, women are don't even realize. You know, no, it's that, like we've got to talk to each other about this stuff because you shouldn't never, feel that yours aren't normal or yeah, weird. Yeah, this is the first time I brought up labia shape and and um, yeah, wind mine, drag mine just kind of they're just little and like you know one is sort of bigger than the other and I didn't really notice that until much later in life because I was always afraid to even look down there, right? You no, know, because I was taught shame mm-hmm. on that area, not not purposely, but just you know how moms sometimes do. Right? Are you over the shame? Yeah, or, okay. yeah I have no qualms. Um, I mean, right. I wouldn't take a picture of it and show it to everybody, but <laughs> no. But I, I don't mind talking about yeah, it. I wouldn't do that either. I also saw a book um, about women, uh, like a porn picture book of big labia ladies just squatting, letting them hang down. I mean, they looked like is that a kind frog of porn faces? What? Oh wow, is that like a lip- kind of porn? Yeah, I'm big sure labia there are guys ladies? that are into huge labia. I mean, like they're like hanging down, like. <laughs> Ugh. But, but beautiful also. Well, the poses were just so degrading. I mean, like, yeah. to get that shot, you have to squat. And, right. like, I mean, it was just ridiculous. I was like, oh, God. I've seen a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. <laughs> I love huge labia. <laughs> Bryant Rich. When road painters reverse word order to increase readability, I still read top to bottom and get a head stop and lane bus. Yes, I do that, too. You know, when you're... Oh, oh yeah, yes. I, don't, I don't do, do you that. Don't, do you drive? Not that much, but I have been for the past two weeks, and I, I haven't noticed that. Okay. I drove growing up. So. Right. I do, I do the top-to-bottom reading, although I appreciate that the road is trying to uh, trying to put the words there so that I'll read them, Yeah. you know, the closer word first, but I don't. All right. Um, Garza Lee. When sitting on the toilet, I read the directions and ingredients of shampoo, body wash, conditioners, etc., well, usually I read my iPhone. Oh, I always do that. I'm so excited that Garzali does this. this but I do you do it, it when you're sitting on the toilet? Yes. You read that? Oh. I pick up what's near and I read the label. Mm. Like, just like growing up when I ate cereal, I would read the I box. I would always read the box, <laughs> yes. Okay. Similar. I just want something. In the shower, I'll read the bottles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you don't ever take your iPhone in there? Yeah. If I know it's going to be a long one, I'll... Uh... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Go use the Kindle app. All right. Um, Oh, here's here's one that I find amusing and gross. Delirium for sale. Get excited when I see a little poo on the side of a toilet bowl to test the strength of my piss. That's good for guys. Yeah. Because you can aim. Yeah. Girls, you just got to let it go. Right. It's like a spigot putting your hand over a spigot. Have you ever had this? Right. Have you ever had... It is. You ever, I, I just, hates me. No, he doesn't hate. Oh, please. We had Andrew WK on recently, and he wants to eat poo eventually. No. So he's just he's just not, a little shell shocked. That's not in my no no. Me neither. That's not on my bucket list. But I recently discussed this phenomenon where you have to pee so bad. Maybe it's been a long day, and then you sit on the toilet and you lean back, and then you 
I just leaned back. You pee, and it like arcs over the bowl. Have you ever I've had that happen? Where it goes for some reason goes on the rim, the little the rim under the seat. Yeah, well, somehow like it goes it straight on forward, yeah. and it gets everywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god. Yes, it's like my worst nightmare. I hate that. I do. T- well, it's yeah, it's icky, especially if like some drops hit your pants or your underwear or something, and then if yeah, yeah. okay. I just remembered. Recently, the last time we did the podcast taping at my apartment, I had to pee so bad and I was in such a hurry to do so mm. that I forgot to pull down my underwear oh and my just God. pissed through the underwear. That I've, I've never done that. I, I was like, I have Alzheimer's. About that. Wow. I really uh, you know think what? I've got I Alzheimer's. I feel like I've almost, I feel like I've almost I done that. I sat down. Yeah. I don't know what. I, maybe I had like a Wait, weird shorts on or something. I don't know. I just sat down and peed and I was like, what am I doing? Like immediately. And they were soaking wet and there was people in my apartment. So I had to like sneak out <laughs> yeah, how did you do and that? get I put my shorts on with no underwear and then like got another right. pair of underwear ran back in the bathroom <laughs> wow dumb dumb no it happens that the problem is having the the common denominator is having to pee really bad yes or and being in a hurry or being distracted yes. while you're doing it and just yeah. one of those app those brain fart type situation when you, when you like when you put milk in the cupboard right you know I recently this I recently put a box of popsicles on top of the refrigerator yeah, just yeah. putting stuff in the wrong place. Right, so. like pee in your underwear. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, okay, Boinkity Boink says, I'm, teach- I'm thinking of teaching my elderly parents how to text on their cell phones, but I'm afraid they will text me. Well, Boinkity, um, I taught my dad how to tweet. And, um, and, and if I've you're created not a monster. Them, you're missing out because <laughs> right. it's fucking hilarious. At Allison's parents, my dad oh, has taken it amazing. very, very far. The He's, dog is verging on needing its own Twitter account. Too. I know he just tweets about what's going on with the family dog. Oh, that's great. And uh, apparently, like, so I have Allison Rosen as your new best friend, and my dad tweets about how Toby is going to start Toby Rosen as your new best friend, and how he's always on the phone with his agent Lenny the Poodle, and it's oh, like it's wow. crazy. This is this is choice. Yeah, choice good stuff. stuff, and it's constant too. It's a lot, a lot of tweets. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm really glad my dad's not on Twitter. He might be on Facebook secretly. I don't. know. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Or that he has a profile and just hasn't added us for boundaries' sake. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know. I see. My dad used to email jokes to me, and I was like, I feel like Twitter would give him a way to have an audience for all this stuff. So I did. I am the one who introduced this to him, and now I'm paying for it. But not really. It's it's amusing. It's just sometimes I just like wouldn't, wow. Ugh, he would do racist stuff, and I don't want that. He's not racist. Well, like he's right, one of those. It's that, I know what you ra- mean. It's he's not, not racist, racist but, but he's he's he doesn't like hate people of other color or you know whatever. Does he, he just he, like them less? <laughs> no, he just thinks it's funny to make jokes yeah. about it. And I'm yeah. like, it's not funny. Like, See, you have to tell him, like, it's not funny, Dad. Like, it's not. Right. It's a real generational you know, thing. And and I, some jokes about race are funny. Like, but yeah. when it's a white man, old white man making them, it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. my dad also, I think, has, he thinks that. Oh, everyone knows that he doesn't really feel that way. I'm like, no, people will assume if you say, yes. make this joke that you do feel this way. Yes. And, and, you know, I've had to tell him that. He's like, I'm just kidding. Seriously, I'm really just kidding. I have no problems. You know, like, he's not a birther. I mean, he is very conservative, but he's not mm-hmm. like, Obama's a Muslim. Like, he doesn't say shit like that. Like, you know, but he's... So, you know, it's not some deep-seated belief of, like, hatred. It's right. just him... 
being ignorant and not understanding that his words are hurtful. Right. And that we came of age in a different time and stuff. All right. I think now it is time for. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. All right. This is an email from uh, from Andrew. Allison, I have listened to the Adam Carolla show for a while now, but it was start, but I was starting to get bored in the afternoons at work because I would finish his show early in the day. A few weeks ago, I was searching for another podcast I would like on – I'm reading like someone who is just barely learning to read. Um, a few weeks ago, I was searching for another podcast I would like on Google and saw some reviews on yours. Some guy had written something like, quote, Allison Rosen is so annoying, don't ever listen to this podcast. For some reason, I took the guy's advice and moved on to look for something else. A few weeks had gone by and I hadn't really found anything I liked. So at the beginning of this week, I figured I would give yours a chance. And since I've, since I've always liked you on the Adam Carolla show, it only took one episode to realize that I love your show. I love the honest feel of the show and can relate to a lot of what you say. My afternoons are now filled with entertainment as I've been working my way back through your archive. So to the guy who posted his stupid comment, probably without ever listening to your show and deprived me of entertainment for weeks, I say, go fuck yourself. Have a great day. P.S. I love the guitar solo ringtone oh yes for anyone who doesn't know um i did a uh an impression with my mouth of dave hill's guitar playing on the adam carolla show and that is now a ringtone so if you search allison resin or adam carolla show you will find that ringtone you can get that but anyway um to the person who left the comment which then made this guy think you shouldn't listen to the show go fuck yourself <laughs> hey, hey hey go fuck yourself do you need to tell anyone that <sighs> I think I've done some of it already in my own way on today's episode. And for those people, I'm sorry. But um, yeah, I got an email recently uh, from a random guy just saying, because me and Nikki did these wraparounds for Daria reruns. Like we were just like, next on Daria, you know. And then I got an email just being like, you are fucking terrible. You're a waste of space. Like just really vitriolic, like just so angry. And it's just like. You know, is if this is your if this is MTV's idea of talent, you know, like you're. I mean, he's like, you are terrible. Quit now. Like it was just really mean and direct. Mm-hmm. And my email's out there, so like I get what people send me, and right. I, it's my email. And like, I don't want to cut it off, but I also because most of what I get is nice. Mm-hmm. But once in a while, you're just like Jesus, and I never respond. I never respond to mean stuff on Twitter or anything. Did you have so, to ar- learn to arrive at that or? No, I, the instinct, I've responded to things that I think were like from fans. I will respond to a fan that's been offended mm-hmm. now that I, if I have time, I'll do it. And um, because I truly don't want to offend people who are fans of our podcast, like right. I don't want to hurt people. That's not my, I'm not trying to push buttons and like raise a controversy. I'm just, cause that's not who I am. So if I say something that's ignorant, I'll be like, I fucked up. I'm sorry. And I just want you to know that I do think about, you know, like a, a black woman wrote it and was like, I, it made me feel like you didn't think I was like you. And I feel like we're alike. And I, it hurt me. It was just. Oh, what had you said that? I think I said something like about on this New York City subway that like if you bump into a black girl, like be careful because they get mad. And it was a very ignorant thing to say. But it was also something based on my own experience. Yeah. And so I formed a, I did what everyone does, which is you form a stereotype and then. And that's normal, I think, for the human brain to do. Mm-hmm. But how you communicate it or choose not to communicate it is what's important. And so I shouldn't have said it. But um, so we talked it out and we were we were fine. She was fine with it. And I find most people like those type of people are reasonable. 
those type of people black people? Those people, yeah. No, those type of people who right. are like, I'm tell. a fan and I, you yeah, disappointed you can, me. You can tell from the tone whether this yeah. is someone who is, where they're coming from and they, yeah. if they're if they're a hater or not. Yeah, and so like, but just randomness. Like, I, yeah. someone started a Twitter account um, called "Fuck You, Sarah," and it was strictly to just personally attack me. That and was, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like it? And it was very person. It was someone I could tell it was someone who knew me in my personal life, and it was really really hurtful. And I, that's what bothered me the most is because yeah. I knew it was for real. Like it wasn't just some idiot who is it didn't gone? like, yeah, I handled it, but it was, that disturbed me. Cause I was just like, Oh, you like, I know. Yeah. And I figured out who it was and we had some words and then it stopped. <laughs> now I want to know, is it, it's someone that like a former friend or something? Yeah, I don't want to get into it. Okay. Cause I don't want to bring any right. power to it at okay. all. But I, I don't I shouldn't even mention it. I did not respond I had a similar thing, in any other way than just okay. to be like, This is over. Yeah. You know, we're never speaking again. Like that kind of thing. Cut off. Well fuck that person. Yeah. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey go fuck yourself. I also don't block people. You don't generally because I don't I want do. to give them the satisfaction that they got to me. But after a while, you just have to if they're really yeah. harassing you. But uh, I, d- I think that I I'm like, oh, I'm not going to block because um, I want to keep my Twitter number high or something insane. Oh, like no, that. I just and will say I don't I'm want them just... to know that I even read it. Yeah. You know, but sometimes you can. I would like to arrive at that equanimity of like, I'm just going to look at my replies and some of them are good and some of them are bad. But then I'm just like, no, if if you're going to say shitty things, which you clearly are from the one or two tweets that you already have said. And it's like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't want that in my timeline. Yeah. So or not in my timeline. In my well, there's a difference replies. between attacking and just some people just say really stupid shit that I, I'm like, oh, God, you know, like they're just backhanded compliments or back you know like these little yeah. insulty type things right. they they usually if you say something i've noticed on other because a lot of comedians do respond to shit like this and i'm like why are you even going there i know you know and then the person will almost always writes back i just i'm a huge fan of you i thought it would be funny if i said that and it's like oh you know i have heard i have heard that so many times and i, and ha- I have I've to read say it so many times it on does, twitter that it doesn't happen with me. If I ever say something, I hardly ever get like very rarely have I ever gotten an apology. Usually, they double down. Ooh. Yep. That is. I the, think I might have to get response. off Twitter at some. I really think Twitter is bad for me. I'm not gonna. I. Yeah. I think it sucks out time in my life. It makes me feel bad about myself. Usually, I end up feeling bad at the end of the session. Right. <laughs> so I would like to quit. But I don't want to right now because I know it's powerful. I know. it's. I actually was thinking about that. I was thinking, like, what would my life be like if I took a one-week break from Twitter? I took a four-day <laughs> break. Quitting, I'm talking about one week. I took a four-day break from all electronic computer stuff. Computer, phone, everything. Phone, off. Right. And it was one of the How best four, day, four days. Wow. And it was great. I, it, and my life was not... I was with my family on vacation, so there was things distracting me. Mm-hmm. And I was away, and I made an away message. And, you know, I did right. it right, but... I was like, I got to do this more often because it sucks. It's when I get off stage after having been on stage for like an hour and a half, I feel like I've neglected my phone. Oh yeah, you're running. If to I it. could check Twitter on stage, I would. Well, when I turned the phone back on after the four days, I was like, it was like Christmas morning. Like I couldn't <laughs> wait to see all the messages and email, and there was like almost nothing, and I was like. Oh. <laughs> uh. mm. Well, well, gosh, Sarah Schaefer, thank wow, you so much. I know we did. Thank you so much for Thanks. doing this show. Thanks so much um, for having me. And people can follow you on Twitter. Yep, Sarah Schaefer. <laughs> Despite what we just said, 
Please follow me. Please. <laughs> I need you. Um, Sarah Schaefer one. Is there just a Sarah Schaefer? Yeah. And it was available when I signed up because, uh, but because I didn't know what Twitter was going to be, I signed up oh. really early. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just make it the same as my AOL instant messenger name. <laughs> is that still what that is? I don't use AOL instant messenger oh, okay. anymore. So said people might try to find you on there now. Yeah, no, I don't use it anymore. So good luck. But, um, yeah, I made that my name. Right. All right. And you, they can get your podcast. You had yep. to be there. Um, yep. Yes, I said that right, yep, right? Yep. Oh, my God. You had to I'm be there. Crazy that no, I can't. No, everyone always, you had to be here. Yeah, they always say it wrong. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, and they can tune into the Nikki and Sarah show on MTV in January. Mm-hmm. And they can check your website, which is? SarahShaver.com. Okay. For... Not SarahShaver1.com. No, I got I the ridge. Nice. Get that for um, for more info on you and where you'll be and stuff. And you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. You can follow producer Gary at G. Patrick Smith. Um, you can email the show at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F at AdamCarolla.com. And if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything and you don't want to have to put on pants and leave your house, click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com, and then it doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps out the show. And um, if you want to do that, that would be delightful. And thank you for listening. And I love you guys. Um, Am I missing anything, Gary? I don't think I am. Okay, bye. Bye. Hey, do you know about the Allison we had a good time, but now we gotta go. Thank you for choosing the Allison Rosen Show. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. That's right. Digital.